You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Good morning. Feels good in here, doesn't it? Yeah. The Lord is so, so kind to us. Amen. Man, what an incredible morning. Uh, Can you give it up for our worship team there? So awesome to lead and guide us into the presence every week. It's so cool. It's such an honor to get to to be here this morning. I'm very thankful for days like this. And and honestly, any day in the house, the Lord is better than a thousand elsewhere, right? And so uh, I'm I'm expectant this morning and uh, I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. I'm going to I'm going to jump in, uh, jump right into what I have this morning. Uh, last week, I preached a message called Becoming Aware, and it was all about becoming aware of the presence of God, uh, something that we actually need to make sure that we're stirring ourselves up in our awareness of the things of God, and this is going to be a 2.0. This is a part two message from last week, and last week, I shared three truths about the Holy Spirit, and I gave them with the hopes of us diving further into understanding and further into uh, the importance of him and the role in our lives. But I believe that that's the first place that we have to start uh, before we take steps into becoming aware of him. We have to understand the importance and the value that the Holy Spirit is to us as sons and daughters of God. You know, the things that we have value for, we search for. We all know this when we lose our keys and we have to leave right now. Or actually, we needed to leave five minutes ago, but we're actually leaving right now. Do I have anybody else like that? It's like, we've got to be there at 7. Perfect. Let's leave at 6.59, and let's not be able to find our keys. And then you search for those keys. You search for your wallet. You search for uh, your Bible. You search for things that, that have value to you. You're probably not searching for that one missing crayon that's out of the box, You're probably uh, not concerned about certain things like that because they don't have a lot of value, but the things that you value the most, you'll look for and you'll search for until you actually find them, and the Holy Spirit should be no different. His extreme value and advantage that is added to our life should be one of the reasons that I am positioning myself to always be searching for the Holy Spirit to always be looking for his help in my life. And so I shared these three truths. The first truth was this, that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. I know that that sounds very elementary, but we have to understand there's a lot of honor given to God the Father, which is due. There's a lot of honor given to God the Son, which is due. But so often, because the Holy Spirit has maybe even been misrepresented in the church, we tend to kind of give the Holy Spirit the you too treatment. Like, bless them, bless him, but in you too. Actually, he's the spirit of the living God, and he deserves to be put in the same places of honor and reverence as God the Father and as God the Son, as God who is the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so this was the first truth. The second truth was this. The Holy Spirit was sent to us by Jesus to lead us into the truth. Uh, We read... John chapter 15, verse 26, and it talked about how the Holy Spirit proceeded from the Father. It was a promise. He was a promise given to us by Jesus from the Father. And this word proceeds mean that that the Holy Spirit came forth out of God. 
Once again, this is still putting a high amount of emphasis on who the Holy Spirit is. No matter what you've thought or heard or learned about him, he deserves honor and he deserves reverence. Uh, we read in John chapter 14 about how the Holy Spirit's assignment and part of what he does is to remind us of the things that Jesus has said, but then to teach us and lead us into all things. He is the spirit of truth. The third thing that I shared last week, and, and you can go back and listen to this if you need to, but it, it was the Holy Spirit gives power. The Holy Spirit gives power. And we went through uh, all the way from like Mary, the Virgin Mary, who was assigned the, the, the task of carrying Jesus as a virgin. And it says that, that, that when the angel visitor, he told her that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And it was by the, the power of the Holy Spirit that Mary actually gave birth to Jesus as a virgin. It was the same power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It was the same power that, that of the Holy Spirit that came upon the new church, the, the first church in the book of Acts, and it filled, the Holy Spirit filled the room and it came in this rushing mighty wind and set upon them tongues of fire. It was the power of God that filled that room that then afforded Peter, a person who didn't even have the power just chapters before to even declare that he knew Jesus, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon him and his awareness of it, he preached a message and 3,000 people are added to the church. This is the power of God that you and I have been afforded the opportunity to walk in relationship with every single day. This is good news, amen? This week, uh, what I want to do is I wanna dive into the physical manifestations or some of the physical manifestations that we sometimes experience on our body that are telltale signs that the Holy Spirit and the presence of God is really close to us. I believe that we have to, we have, to have the Holy Spirit to, to walk in the fullness of the power of God on lives. And I, I simply wanna teach this because I just don't want us to rush past the Holy Spirit. I don't want us to rush past what he's trying to do in us individually, what he's trying to do us corporately as a body of believers. And so I, I want us to have an acknowledgement and an awareness of the fact that anytime that we gather, he is there in our midst, as we're gonna read in a moment. So I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna dive into uh, some scripture. Father, I thank you for your power. Most of all, I thank you for Jesus and the plan and the purpose for Jesus and, and what Jesus allowed himself to go through to the, to the point of death on the cross for each and every single one of us to even be afforded life that would allow us to sit in a room like this. Thank you for that life, an abundant life, God. And I thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit. You told us that it was for our benefit, that you, Jesus, that you go away because when you went away, you would send us a helper. And so I ask you, Holy Spirit, right now to help us. Help me to communicate. Help us to have ears to hear, eyes to see. And I pray, Father, that you would fill us with your power. You would fill us this room with your glory. That the person of Jesus, the presence of God, would actually come and rest with us in this room. I thank you for changing our hearts forever and ever, that we would never be the same. I pray these things in your power and in your name. It's Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, to become aware of the power of the Holy Spirit, we first, like I said, have to discover the importance of the Holy Spirit. And then we have to believe what the, what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't an it. It isn't a far off being. He isn't a mystical creature. He is a active, actual person, as real as anyone else in this room. 
And so we have to gather some foundational things before we can actually even know what to be aware of, right? And so Matthew chapter uh, 18, I want us to start with this scripture because I believe that the, the word has to be the starting place for everything in our lives, especially as it pertains to this becoming aware of, of the presence of God. It says this in verse 20, for where two or more gathered in my name, meeting together as my followers, I am there among them. I am there among them. How many of you have younger siblings? And how many of you that have younger siblings remember your, date, your dating life? You're like, okay, that's, that's too far. One, it's too personal, and two, it's too long ago. I'm just kidding. Uh, you ever have your younger sibling get sent with you on a date? If you know, you know. If you don't, it's the worst. Because no matter what, you can't get away from them. They're in your conversations, on your date. They're in your chances of getting close, on your date. They're literally everywhere. There's nowhere that you can go on your date if your younger sibling is with you, that they're not there also. And I'm not making a joke, but that is how I see this, this, this scripture in the Holy Spirit. Where you are, so is he right in the middle of you. He's in the middle of you and the person sitting next to you. He's in the middle of the aisles. He's in the middle of hallways because the word says that where two or more are gathered, and there are more because we're good at math. Uh, where, where two or more are gathered, two or three, there I am with them. And I want you to understand this. It doesn't matter if you're in a church setting or if you're praying with three other people or two other people, so is God's presence right there with you. And you need to understand that the same spirit that rose Jesus out of the grave is meeting right there with you. I know we hear scripture, but I think sometimes we get so numb to hearing scripture because we're afforded scripture all the time, anytime we want it that we actually just slowly let it lose its power in our life. We need to reawaken the, our, our belief in the power of the word because when the word says God is with us, we should believe it. Amen? And I believe that this is one of the starting places for us to know that the Holy Spirit is with us. One of the greatest telltale signs that you, that you have at your disposal to know that the Father is with you is the Bible. I think it's good, and we're going to talk about some physical manifestations of, of knowing that God is with us, but the Word should be enough. If the Word says it, I should believe it. We talked last week about how Pastor Braden, our senior pastor, he says, Jesus is either Lord of all of your life or Jesus is the Lord of none of your life. I either believe all of the word or I believe none of the word. I don't get to pick and choose what I want, what fits me that day, uh, what makes me feel good, what, what makes me stay in my, my nice clean box. The first thing that we need to understand and the first sign that we need to settle on is the fact that the, the Father gave us in Scripture a promise that when I gather with you and one, or with one other person, that he is right there in the middle of us. That is an incredible thing. The Bible is true and accurate all the time and we have to we have to believe it. I want us to grow into this place where when we see something in scripture, we declare it as ours. So in this instance, when I see in scripture that he is in there among us, and I know that I'm fixing to walk in the church, or I know that I'm fixing to walk into my home church, or I know I'm fixing to walk into a prayer meeting somewhere else, whatever that is, 
and you're gathering in the name of Jesus, I want you to have this mandate on your life, this confession and this faith, that when I cross the threshold that goes into that space, I'm not going alone, the Holy Spirit's coming with me. That when we walk into rooms like this, when you walk through these doors, you're walking in saying, Holy Spirit, it's good to have you with us today. Knowing that that power that did all of the things that we already mentioned is wanting to reside and move in this room so that your life and my life would never look the same. Amen? We gotta get into this place of confessing the scripture as we acknowledge the fact that the Father is with us. I love this. Uh, if you've been in church for any amount of time, I would guarantee you that you have felt the presence of God. How many of you would say, I have felt the presence of God for sure? And if you're not raising your hand, that's totally fine. I believe this, a lot of times I believe that we're feeling the presence of God, but it doesn't make sense and so we call it something different. Oh, that just must be, that just must be the air conditioner that came on, that's why I feel a breeze. Oh, there's probably just, it's, it's just because there's a lot of people in the room and we're all singing, that's why I'm a little warmer than normal. Oh, that's just my mind talking to me. The Lord would never tell me to go across the room and pray for someone. We start making, we start trying to make sense of something that the Father is actually doing when all he's really trying to do is reveal himself through a touch, through a word, through a feeling, through something in the middle of his presence. It's one of those situations where maybe all of a sudden you get chills or you get goosebumps or, or something, something shifts in you and you start knowing that everything is changing. All of these things to the normal person can be wrapped up in the idea of this is just a coincidence. I remember when my dad was dealing with an Achilles tendon issue. My dad's not a believer, and, and my, my, my kids and I, we were with him all weekend, and he was telling us about this pain, and he had kind of complained about this pain, and he was dealing with it. And so we just were like, hey, Dad, can I lay hands on you? I believe that God wants to heal you. Well, as a believer, he's like, well, I mean, as a non-believer, he's like, sure, nothing's gonna happen, basically. So we pray, and the power of God was strong. It was so strong, and we get finished praying, and he says, it already feels a little different. And I'm like, well, that's God. And he's like, well, I did actually just take my painkillers right before we prayed. Like, because the natural normal mind has to figure out a way to make sense of what I'm feeling on my body. And in 1 Corinthians chapter two, it says this. We have to be careful of not, uh, this is not what it says, but we have to be careful to not explain away the presence of God. But he says this, but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. This is why it can be really challenging to go to work after you've encountered the Lord and try to explain it to a coworker that doesn't have any grid for God at all. It seems like you're talking to a horse or you're talking to a wall. It's like they're not getting it. It's because they actually don't get it. Because the natural mind doesn't receive the things that happen in the spirit realm. Are y'all following me in scripture? There's this invitation that I received once, and I believe that, that God is saying it to you in this room. I wasn't raised in church, and most of you know my story, but I wasn't raised in church, and I, I didn't have a grid for God at all. I had been radically healed when I was a freshman of five broken bones in my foot, but I had no idea that it was God. Uh, it was actually pretty amazing, but there's this one instance where I had moved home from school, and, and someone had brought to me a DVD 
of an encounter, uh, of, of um, a crusade, if you will, a miracle crusade, where they had experienced and seen all of these different healings. So the things that I'm talking about, this person had actually felt them on his body. And so he brings them to me to witness to me about the power of God. My natural mind couldn't comprehend what I was seeing in a video. And so I literally was like, I don't believe any of those things and those people are actors. Probably things that you've probably thought in the room too. Like you see something crazy and wild and someone's running around the room with a flag and you're like, they're just in their flesh. They're just making themselves feel good. They're just doing whatever they want. I thought the same things and that's okay. But he said this, just come with me. And I believe that's the invitation from God today. Just come with me. He said, if you don't feel something shift and if you don't feel the power of God come on your life, I'll never bother you with Christianity talk again. And I believe the Lord is asking you, just come with me. Just walk with me a while. Just learn my unforced rhythms of grace. I go to this and have this encounter with God and everything shifted and everything changed and I felt the goosebumps and I felt the power and I felt all of these different things that we're gonna talk about, but I believe that God is just inviting us to just come, to just come with him. So I'm gonna take some look at some scriptures uh, of instances where people had things manifest on their body when the Holy Spirit was close, when the Holy Spirit was close. So let's look at Jan Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10, if you have a Bible, you can open to it. Thank you, Father. He said, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision. He said, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned into frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Verse 10, suddenly... A hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. I want to point out just a couple of things that I think are profound in this as it pertains to what we're talking about in, in growing in our awareness and becoming aware of the Holy Spirit. But he said this, his strength left him. In other words, this means that he was completely overwhelmed by the presence of God. He lost function in his muscles, so to speak. It was this moment where all of a sudden he's so aware of the presence of God that he can't do anything but fall on his face is what the word says that we just read, that he fell on his face and he, it was as if he was asleep on his face, meaning he was in this place of honor and reverence because the glory of God had shown around him so strong that his only reaction was to go to the ground. There are moments in time in the presence of God where you will be completely overwhelmed. And you're like, I don't want to be overwhelmed. I want to be in control. This is our struggle. There might be times when you're so overwhelmed that the only thing that you can do, and you don't even know why you're doing it, is you're weeping. Been around me for any amount of time, that is my go-to. It is the number one sign that I have that the Lord is close. I'll just start crying. It can happen in the most non-spiritual places ever, and the Lord will just show up, and I'll just be crying in the middle of Jersey Mike's or something. I don't know where it's at. 
That's what I'm talking about, right? You better watch out for that Chipotle Philly cheesesteak. There's anointing on it. It drips in oil. <laughs> There's also these moments where you, you can feel like a sudden weight on your body. It's like you're standing there and all of a sudden your body feels like it weighs 10 times more than it does. There's moments where I've been praying where my hands feel like if I were to try to swing them, I would have to like swing my whole arm because my hands feel like they weigh 10,000 pounds. I believe that that is just the glory of God resting on a person. In those moments, you can respond. You could respond by sitting down. You could respond by laying down. You could respond by just standing there and doing your best to, to stand with this glory of God on you. And, and this is just a, a beautiful moment with the Lord. I, I, I so look forward to these moments. The other thing was this. He said that he was touched. He was touched. In verse 10, he said, suddenly a hand touched me. Suddenly a hand touched me. There's moments in the presence of God where I have been standing, and maybe you've experienced this too, where you've just been standing there, and all of a sudden you felt like someone poked you in the back of the neck, or someone just touched your back. Well, your response naturally is to turn around and look at the person behind you. Well, now all of a sudden they're looking at you weird because you're looking at them weird first. And the Holy Spirit's like, hey, I'm right here. All I did was touch you because I was just trying to get your attention because I wanted to tell you something. Or I just wanted you to know that you asked for me to come and here I am. There are these touches that the Lord gives us. A lot of times the Lord speaks to me through words of, of knowledge, which means that he reveals something to me. I get a knowing about you because he wants to prophesy your answer or it, normally it's in the area of, of physical healing. And I've learned that the Lord will touch me very, very gently in an area where someone else needs to be healed. And when I say it's a touch, it's not like I feel a hand of God on me. It's a very fine touch. And I've just learned over time, one, I've learned that sometimes I think I feel it and I'm wrong, which we're all afraid of. If I feel or I think I feel God and I respond to it, what if I'm, going, what if I'm wrong? Is the Lord going to leave me? No. Are people going to think badly of me? Maybe. Join Jesus in that. You're in good company. But what if you're right? And what if, what if the Lord touches your, touches your neck because he's telling you, I wanna heal someone's spine through your prayer? And you actually listened to it because he touched you, his presence was closed, and someone's life changed forever. The reward far outweighs the risk. He touched Daniel. I love this. Then he said that he trembled. He trembled. I've been experiencing like this trembling in my, in my right hand when I'm in the presence of God. It just happens. And I believe this is just another symptom of the Holy Spirit's glory coming and resting upon us. You might see people that uh, start to tremble or they start to shake and it looks like uh, it would be nowhere close to where God is, but I, I believe that it is them experiencing the magnificence of God. Let's look at another one. Joshua chapter five. Y'all doing good? You okay with me? Awesome. It says, and it came to pass when Joshua was by, Jer was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked 
And behold, a man stood opposite of him with his sword drawn. And, jo- and Joshua went, <coughs> went to him, excuse me, and Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, no. I'm like, what kind of answer is that? Anyways, he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come now. I've now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off of your foot for the place that you stand is holy. So Joshua did so. I'm like, things must have been wild because my man only had one sandal on. <laughs> I'm like, okay, did the Bible leave off an S or were things just crazy? I instantly started thinking about, this is where my mind goes, Happy Gilmore when they're reading the putt. And he's like, what do you think? Slightly downhill. And he's like, and to the right. And he's like, no, that's because you have one shoe on. Because his caddy was homeless. Anyways, this is where my brain goes. And he only had one shoe. Uh, But I want us to notice a couple of things. Joshua fell. Joshua fell. It says that when... when he had come close to this, this, some people call it an, some people say it was an angel, some people say it was Jesus, that he fell to the ground. He didn't like slowly get to the ground. He didn't like slowly take his time to kneel down. No, it says that he fell and he worshiped. You've probably seen people fall or be slain in the spirit, as some people call it, which is the same thing as falling under the power of God. Multiple people on Tuesday night during our worship and encounter night fell under the power of God. And I would hope that we could agree that if you're standing in a service and all of a sudden you're not standing and you fall down, you don't need any more signs that God is with you. He's right there in the middle of you. I wanna read this thing that, that, that popped up when I was researching some of this and I'm just gonna read it as I saw it. But it, it says this, Revelations 1.17 says, And when I, John, saw Christ, I fell at his feet as dead. The word fell is from this Greek word, pepito, which means to fall from an upright position. It is used occasionally to describe those who fall in battle, which of course would mean either falling forward or falling backward, or, I love this word, crumpling to the ground. In John's case, he fell at Jesus' feet. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, it says that John fell as one who was dead. This word dead in the Greek, it means, it's the Greek word nekros, which means, uh, it, it means corpse. In other words, in one split second or suddenly, it seemed that all of the life had gone out of him and he crumpled forward at the feet of Jesus. As it was with many cases in which people experienced God's glory, John's legs buckled under him and his strength was drained from his body and he fell in the presence of God. Okay, well, let's backtrack for two seconds. What we're reading is John falling at the feet of Jesus. And we see that and we instantly disconnect ourselves from the story and we say, that was when Jesus was on the earth. But what we read was that it was for our benefit that Jesus went away because if I, he said, if I don't go away, I won't send you a helper. But when he left the earth, he sent us a helper who is God with us on the earth. 
So my response when I am met at the pre with the presence of the Holy Spirit who represents the Spirit of truth, who represents the Spirit of God, is I might fall at His feet. I'm just giving you some spiritual reference to understand the things that we see with our, our natural eye that doesn't make much sense. Falling or feeling like you're going to fall is most of the time a sign that God is in the room. You might just respond by sitting down. That's totally fine. I just want us to respond. I'm not saying that I want us to become kooky people that their feet never touch the ground and you can't have an actual in English conversation with them because everything is in tongues. That benefits no one, FYI. I want us to be people that operate in power and know when the Lord is close, He's actually close for a reason. He's wanting to do something. Sometimes you might hear something in the presence of God. You might feel like you hear the voice of God like an audible voice. I remember when Presley, she was my daughter, she was, uh, she's 13 now, she was about five or six in the moment. We had some people over for dinner and she walks up to the table and she asks, she's like, Dad, I gotta tell you something. So she begins to whisper something in my ear and she had had an incident with a kid at, at the, the playground, you know, cause things are serious at the playground when you're five or six. And he had pushed her down the slide and she was all kinds of out of shape about this kid. So much so that even at dinner time, she's still thinking about this kid. And so she's like, Dad, I was in the bathroom and I was going to the bathroom and I was sitting on the toilet. I'm like, okay, we well, could stop with all the details. And she says, and so I just began to pray for him. I just began to pray that God would touch him and that God would help him be nice. And she said, Dad, I heard a voice. She said, I, I, heard, I heard a voice tell me I love that little boy and I'm gonna help him be nice because you prayed for him. She said, Dad, I got up I, I pulled the shower curtain back and there was no one in the bathroom. I opened the drawers, there was no one under the sink. I opened the drawers and there was no one hiding in there either. And I'm like, of course. She said, Dad, I think it was Jesus. And I said, baby, it was Jesus. I guarantee it was Jesus. Why? Because he desires to speak to his children. He calls himself the word for a reason. He has things to say. And I understand like when I say that, that she heard Jesus or that you heard Jesus or that you fell or that you felt goosebumps or that you got covered with just a heat so much that your hands started sweating. I understand that when we say those kinds of things, our brain can't make sense of it. But Jesus didn't come to make sense of things. He made us, he came so that we would have faith. He came to make faith grow on the inside of us. And sometimes it's far beyond our understanding the things that he does. But when I see someone experience God and it look like they're, they're, they're clothed in peace, yet they're doing something that is far abnormal. If I get stuck on the idea of Jesus, you have to give me the understanding before I ever let that happen. I'll never experience the peace. Because the word tells us that his peace surpasses understanding, which means it's beyond our ability to understand or to reason. Last thing I'm gonna share is this. The Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts chapter two. We, we know these stories. These people are gathered in this upper room and like, much like what we started with in reading in Matthew chapter 18, where the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in them. 
And, and in this moment, the Holy Spirit came in a, in a rushing, violent wind, and, and he filled them, and, and he came with fire, and it was this amazing moment. And this is the dialogue between Peter and some bystanders at the time. <laughs> this is fun. Acts chapter 2, verse 13. It says, but the others were laughing and joking and ridiculing them, saying, they are full of sweet wine and they are drunk. This is their, their response to the people that are responding to the power of God. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. He said, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be explained to you. Listen closely and pay attention to what I have to say. I love his boldness. I wonder where that came from all of a sudden. These people are not drunk, as you assume, since it's only the third day, the third hour of the day, or 9 a.m. But this is the beginning of that which was spoken through the prophet Joel. In verse 17, it says, and it shall be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my flesh. I mean, I'm gonna pour out my spirit upon all mankind. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see divinely prompted visions. And your old men shall dream divinely prompted dreams. Even on my bond servants, both men and women, I will in those days pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will bring about wonders in the sky above and signs attesting miracles on the earth below, blood and fire and smoke and vapor. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And it shall be that the Lord who calls upon the name, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, invoking, adorning, adoring and worshiping the Lord Jesus shall be saved that is rescued spiritually. I want us to pay attention to a few things in this. The Holy Spirit comes, people say they're drunk because it doesn't make sense. The way that they're responding, it could not be God, it had to be something else. It had to be blamed on another spirit. But the other spirit doesn't know how to create. He's just a copycat. He's just a counterfeit, which is why when you drink alcohol or why, you, or why when you take drugs that your manifestation or the manifestation of the drug on you looks like you're drunk in the Holy Spirit, but you're actually not because it's a copycat, it's a counterfeit. See, we have this thing flip-flopped. We've seen what the world looks like when it's drunk, and when we bring that into the church and we see someone under the power of God, we say, they're evil. Because the only influence that we've actually seen resting on a person for them to laugh uncontrollably, or to fall on the ground, or to dance when it doesn't look like it's a time to dance, is when someone's been consuming so much alcohol that they're inebriated. And we take that because we've been conditioned to it, and then we measure everything in the church based on that. It's just a counterfeit. Sometimes the wonders and signs and miracles that we see, they're not going to make sense to us. They're just not. They're gonna appear to be foolish. 
they're going to appear that we're a drunk in a worldly standard. On Sunday night, we had, I mean, on Tuesday night, we had a worship and encounter night in this room and the Holy Spirit came in a mighty way and the glory of God filled the room and it was beautiful. It was powerful. There were people that literally fell down in the presence of God. There were people that got healed and began to dance radically. There were, uh, there was one girl in particular who was completely delivered from a, 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 an addictive spirit and a spirit of fear. I was having a conversation with someone afterwards and as she was talking, she was not making sense. <laughs> I had to ask like, what did you just say? Because her words were slurred and a little mumbled but she didn't come in drunk on alcohol. The Lord had touched her and she was having a hard time putting things naturally together because the Spirit of God was resting on her in such a heavy, kind way. I want us to understand that we can't judge God based on someone else's experience with Him. And we probably shouldn't judge someone else based on the way in which God is touching them. We can't cut out scriptures that don't make us feel warm, fuzzy, and proper any longer. We gotta embrace it all. Once again, my intention in all of this is to help us to become more aware of the presence of God. I'm gonna leave this with you. Matthew chapter five, verse eight. Blessed anticipating God's presence, spiritually mature, are the pure in heart, those with integ integrity, moral courage, and godly character. For they, the pure in heart, they all see God. I want us to see God move in a mighty way. I want us to experience God on the earth that his work would be accomplished. But I know this, it's going to take us humbling ourselves and removing ourselves off of the high place of knowing how God always does things to saying, God, I'm humbling myself to say, I'm a, I am up for anything that you actually want to do. The Lord just wants to touch you is all. He's not trying to take anything from you. He's trying to get something to you. It's always his plan. He's a good father. And he's not gonna make you do anything. I say this all the time, but he's waiting for you to do something. Will you just respond to those moments and not try to explain them away so that you don't have to get out of the prim and proper way in which you think God is going to deal with you? Because he wants to move on your behalf for the person next to you, for the person at your job, for the person that you see in the store, that, cash reg that, cl that, that clerk that works that cash register, that, that 7-Eleven or that Stripes or that, they don't have town and countries anymore, but they were better than Stripes. Uh, anyway, that can't quick. He wants to come upon you for their sake. And this is the greatest place for us to practice knowing that he is here. It starts in our private place at home and then it gets carried over into places like this, but it's all unto the advancement of the kingdom of God. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.